Welcome listeners, but take heed, we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware, we have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake, so join us now, we're For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and my caffeinated co-host is Carly. Ka-chow! You gotta <laughs> have coffee when you got a little toddler. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that, but I'm watching you, and that makes me know that. <laughs> Indeed. So, let's fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 5, An Excess of Phlegm, and the somewhat corresponding film scenes. Dumbledore cares for Harry so deeply in the books that he ensures he safely arrives to the burrow. In the movie, he fucks off, leaving Harry in a marsh 100 yards away. We see Tonks getting some sympathy from Molly and find out that Arthur has a swanky new job. Harry is fed and loved by Mrs. Weasley and heads to bed. He is rudely awoken by Ron being, well, Ron. Hermione and Jenny pop by to complain about who we think is Mrs. Weasley, but we quickly discover it's Fleur Delacour. During episode 202, Dreamus Lupin, our Potter pondering was, what are your thoughts on how the movie excluded the entire Molly Arthur Tonk scene? G'day guys, Jackson here with my Potter pondering. I really did not like that we didn't get this for so many reasons. I wanted us to actually see Tonks and Remus's love story develop, not just have it thrust upon us like they did with the upcoming movie. Friggin' oh. But yeah, I wanted to see Molly sympathising with Tonks, giving her a little bit of comfort. And yes, I wanted to hear Molly, while blushing red, mumble Molly Wobbles. <laughs> and of course, any excuse to see her mothering Harry, of course. I want to see that more of that. Of course, we do get that in the movie, but we don't get enough of it. And so much that we missed out on. I wanted it all. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter Pondering. What did I think of the Molly Arthur Tonk scene being excluded? <laughs> I hated it. I will start by saying I don't mind like seeing Harry, Ron, and Hermione up in the room like laughing together. That's nice to see. It's a cute scene, especially because the fact they're using magic outside Hogwarts again. But it can be explained by the fact that they're in a wizarding household so they can't be tracked. But it would have been so much better if it was in addition to the book scene. I'm already annoyed that they cut the Dumbledore scene short and Harry, you know, just getting dumped there. But the whole, like, Harry who situation as if Dumbledore was going to drop Harry off without telling them given everything that's going on. No. I loved seeing... Or reading, I guess, Harry's interaction with Molly and how she so effortlessly just treats him like one of her own. And I love that Molly was like kind of acting like an older sister giving a boy advice to Tonks, you know. I wish we had it. You know, it 
it should have been in especially because the Tonks and Lupin relationship in the movies just totally comes out of the blue at least in the book we can like see that Harry is just like oblivious because we do get like the nuggets in there that he's just you know he has no idea what's going on even though he kind of like sees what's going on he doesn't like put two and two together and to see Harry cringe over Molly not wanting to like say what her little secret is to Arthur through the door that would have been so cute I would have loved to see like a little nugget into um Arthur and Molly's relationship with each other that would have been really cute to see like them on screen I love that part in the book it's it's cute and especially considering scenes that they add into this movie which I will not discuss at this time it really 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 bothers me okay bye this is Zach Thurston and this is my Potter pondering on what my thoughts are about the movie leaving out the Molly, Arthur, and Tonks uh, scene. I have mixed opinions on it. I don't think it was like a super plot or character building scene in the book that like we really missed a lot. However, I do kind of like seeing that more of that personal side of Molly and Arthur's relationship and getting a small peek into like the the romance behind it um we really don't get a lot of that throughout the books obviously because you know typically the everyone's at hogwarts and you really don't get to see that side of them and i think that's kind of cool uh you know the molly wobbles and and all the nicknames and stuff i just thought it kind of made it a little bit more genuine in the books in that scene now i think it could have been nice if they added that as many as you know we agree on many scenes that were left out but I also think, you know, the in the beginning, Tonks leaving, you know, abruptly when Dumbledore gets there, you could, you know, certainly read into that a little bit, you know, obviously with Sirius dying and, and uh, her and Lupin's struggles and, you know, how depressed she is and how they kind of build on that story slowly throughout the book. But overall, I mean, I wouldn't say that's one of my bigger ones that I'm like, man, I really wish they would have put that in the movie. Do I think it would have been cool? Absolutely, because... I really, really, really like the part just before that where Dumbledore and Harry are in the broom shed right before going in. I always thought that part was really valuable and how the movie just made it look like Harry just appeared out of nowhere <laughs> and disapparated and Dumbledore just like left them was strange for sure. So that's my Potter pondering. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, how many OWLs does Harry receive? The answer is, he receives seven. Ding. Ding. It's the magic number seven. Congratulations goes to Jessica Wallace. Yay! I love the fact that Jessica and Kalista are kind of like the new Mike and Megan, just ruining each other's streaks, and there's no real predicting who's the one who's going to win with the occasional other person popping up. The suspense is fantastic. Who's going to win this week? You never know. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 5, An Excess of Phlegm, and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 5, An Excess of Phlegm, Part 2. Mrs. Weasley says that there was no need for her to bring up the tray, since she was just about to, but Fleur Delacour insists that it was no trouble. She sets the tray across Harry's knees, and swoops down to kiss him on each cheek, 
as she explains to Molly that she has been longing to see him. She then asks Harry if he remembers her little sister, Gabrielle, stating she never stops talking about Harry Potter and will be delighted to see him again. Harry asks if she's there too, and Fleur laughs and corrects him that she meant next summer, then asks if he does not know. She looks reproachfully at Mrs. Weasley, who explains that they haven't gotten around to it yet. Fleur turns back to Harry, swinging her hair so that it hits Mrs. Weasley in the face, and announces that she and Bill are going to be married. Harry can't help but notice how Mrs. Weasley, Jenny, and Hermione are all avoiding each other's gaze, and awkwardly tells her congratulations. She swoops down and kisses him again, then tells Harry that Bill is very busy at the moment, and she only works part-time at Gringotts for her English, so he brought her there for a few days to get to know his family. She also adds that she is pleased he is there, since there isn't much to do unless you like cooking and chickens. She then tells him to enjoy his breakfast and gracefully leaves the room. Mrs. Weasley makes a ch noise, and Ginny quietly tells Harry that Mum hates her. In a cross whisper, Mrs. Weasley insists that she doesn't hate her, she just thinks they've hurried into this engagement. An oddly groggy Ron says they've known each other for a year, but his mom says that isn't very long, and it's only happened because of all of the uncertainty surrounding you-know-who coming back. Everyone thinks they might be dead tomorrow, so they are rushing all sorts of decisions they'd normally take time making. It was like that last time he was powerful. People eloping left, right, and center. Ginny slyly reminds her that included her and dad, and Mrs. Weasley retorts that they were made for each other, so what was the point of waiting? She doesn't think Bill and Fleur have much in common, calling Bill hardworking and down-to-earth. As she tries to describe Fleur, Ginny supplies the word cow, but also points out that Bill isn't that down-to-earth, as he is a curse-breaker and likes a bit of adventure and glamour. She says she suspects that's why he's gone for phlegm, making Harry and Hermione both laugh and prompting Mrs. Weasley to tell her to stop calling her that. Mrs. Weasley then says she better get on and tells Harry to eat his eggs while they're still warm. She leaves and Harry asks a slightly punch-drunk-looking Ron if he gets used to her since she's staying there. He says he does, but then makes a comment about when she jumps out unexpectedly. Hermione furiously calls it pathetic as she moves away from Ron, but crosses her arms and stares at him as Ginny incredulously asks Ron about not wanting her around forever. When he shrugs, she says their mom is going to put a stop to it, explaining to Harry that she keeps trying to have Tonks around for dinner. She figures her mom is hoping Bill will fall for Tonks instead and says she hopes he does too. Ron doesn't think that will work since Fleur is much better looking than Tonks, but Ginny argues that she's a lot nicer than Flem. Hermione adds that she's more intelligent since she's an Auror, but Harry points out that Fleur isn't stupid. She was good enough to enter the Triwizard Tournament. Both Hermione and Ginny are annoyed that Harry seems to be a fan of Fleur's too, making Harry wish he hadn't spoken. Ginny says she'd rather have Tonks in the family since she's at least a laugh, but Ron mentions how she's been looking more like Moaning Myrtle lately. Hermione defends Tonks, bringing up what happened to Sirius, who was her cousin. Harry's heart sinks at this topic, and he begins shoving scrambled eggs into his mouth to avoid having to join in. 
Ron begins to argue that they barely knew each other since he was in Azkaban half her life, and before that the families never met. Hermione replies that Tonks thinks it was her fault he died, since she had been fighting Bellatrix before she killed him, calling it survivor's guilt. She knows that Lupin has tried talking to her, but Tonks is still so down she's having trouble with her metamorphosing. Harry comments on not knowing that could happen, and Hermione agrees, but figures it could be related to severe depression. The door then opens again, and Mrs. Weasley whispers for Ginny to come and help her with lunch. Ginny tries to protest, but her mum insists before walking away, leaving her to complain she only wants her there so she doesn't have to be alone with Flem. She swings her hair around in an accurate impression of Fleur, and prances out of the room like a ballerina as she tells them they better come down quickly, too. Harry eats more of his breakfast as Hermione begins looking through the boxes in Fred and George's room. She holds up a telescope-looking object and asks what it is. Ron isn't sure, but figures they left it there because it isn't ready for the joke shop yet. Harry mentions how Mrs. Weasley said the shop was going well, and Ron calls that an understatement, since the twins are raking in the galleons. He's looking forward to seeing the place because they haven't been to Diagon Alley yet. Harry then asks about Percy, wondering if he's talking to them again after his falling out with their parents. Ron says he isn't, which surprises Harry since Percy now knows his dad was right. Hermione tells him that she heard Dumbledore tell Mrs. Weasley that people find it easier to forgive others for being wrong than being right. Ron thinks that sounds like the sort of thing Dumbledore would say, and Harry casually mentions that he's going to be giving him private lessons this year. This shocks both Ron and Hermione, and as they begin to wonder why, Harry steals himself and explains that he doesn't know exactly why, but he thinks it must be because of the prophecy. Hermione brings up how no one knows what it says since it got smashed, and Ron starts to mention what the prophet says, but Hermione shushes him. Harry makes himself look at them as he confesses that the prophet's got it right, and explains that Dumbledore was the one who originally heard the prophecy, so he heard the whole thing in his office. He says it looks like he's the one who's got to finish off Voldemort because it said neither could live while the other survives. They all look at each other in silence for a moment until there's a loud bang and Hermione disappears in a cloud of black smoke. The two boys shout her name and she emerges, coughing, clutching the telescope and sporting a black eye. She explains that she squeezed it and it punched her. There's a tiny fist poking from the end of the telescope. Ron is trying not to laugh as he assures Hermione that his mum can fix it, but Hermione is hardly phased. She's so focused on Harry. She asks if he is scared, and Harry says he isn't as much as he was at first, because now it seems like he always knew he'd have to face him in the end. They begin discussing what Dumbledore will be teaching him, figuring he must figure Harry has a chance, but Harry is hardly listening. He feels a warmth spreading through him from the support his friends are showing him. His mind returns to the conversation just as Hermione is saying that Harry at least knows one class he will be taking and wondering when their OWL results are going to come. Harry remembers that Dumbledore said they should show up later that day and Hermione begins to freak out, jumping to her feet to see if any owls have shown up. When Harry joins them in the kitchen about 10 minutes later, he finds an agitated Hermione sitting at the table as Mrs. Weasley tries to heal the bruise that won't budge. 
Ginny figures it's a joke of the twins to make sure it won't come off, and Hermione is concerned she'll resemble half a panda forever. Fleur says Bill told her Fred and George are amusing, and Hermione snaps at her that she can hardly breathe for laughing. Her agitation is also related to the fact that no owls have arrived yet, as she again asks Mrs. Weasley about it, and then starts to mutter feverishly about everything she knows she messed up in her exams. Ron tells her to shut up since she isn't the only one who's nervous, making a comment about how she's going to have 11 outstanding OWLs, but Hermione is convinced she failed everything. Harry asks what happens if they do fail, and Hermione explains that they discussed their options with their head of house. Fleur begins to talk about how they did exams better at Beaubaton's, but she's cut off when Hermione screams. There are three tawny owls flying towards them, each carrying a large square envelope. Mrs. Weasley opens the window and they swoop in, extending their right legs. Harry retrieves his letter from the middle owl as Ron and Hermione each fumble with their own. Once he gets it detached, he quickly opens it and unfolds the parchment to read his results. He's passed everything except divination and history of magic, neither of which surprise him. He even managed and exceeds expectations in potions and an outstanding in defense against the dark arts. Ron also failed divination in history of magic, but doesn't care. Harry looks at his best friend's grades and doesn't see any outstandings, but Ron is happy to see that Harry is at the top of Defense Against the Dark Arts and feels they've both done all right. Mrs. Weasley is happy with Ron's seven OWLs, mentioning that it is more than Fred and George combined. Hermione still hasn't turned around, so Ginny tentatively asks her how she did. In a small voice, she says she didn't do bad, but Ron isn't buying this and takes the results from her hands. He announces that she got nine outstandings and one exceeds expectations at Defense Against the Dark Arts, then teases her for actually being disappointed. Hermione shakes her head, but Harry laughs and looks back down at his results. They were as good as he could have hoped for, but he does feel a tiny twinge of regret, since his ambition to become an Auror has ended with his E in potions. He finds it a little odd, since it had been a Death Eater in disguise, who originally suggested he'd be a good Auror, but the idea had taken hold and he couldn't think of anything else he'd like to be, especially since it seemed like the right destiny for him, given the prophecy. He thinks of the words, neither can live while the other survives again, and thinks it would give him the best chance of survival to join the highly trained wizards whose job it is to find and kill Voldemort. The movie section starts on Harry, who is pointing his wand at a piece of burning newspaper hovering in the air. He turns to Hermione and asks when she got there, and the camera cuts to show him, Ron, and Hermione sitting on the floor around a little table where the gently flaming paper is hovering. Hermione tells him she arrived a few days ago, but also explains that for a little while she wasn't sure she was coming. She looks at Ron, who explains that his mom sort of lost it last week, saying he and Ginny had no business going back to Hogwarts because it was too dangerous. Harry says, oh, come on, but Hermione points out that she isn't the only one. Even her muggle parents know something bad is happening. Ron continues talking, saying that his dad stepped in and told her that she was being balmy, and after a few days, she came around. 
Harry wonders where would be safer than Hogwarts with Dumbledore, and Hermione explains that there has been a lot of talk recently that Dumbledore is getting a bit old. Harry calls this rubbish, asking how old he is. Ron suggests he's only 150, give or take, and all the trio begin laughing. The camera zooms in and focuses on the newspaper, showing a picture of Draco Malfoy amidst the flames. So I made the cutest little picture, at least I think it's so cute, for our sneak peek video images mm -hmm. for when we don't have movie scenes. And I thought I was going to get to use it, but then I was splitting the summary up. I was like, darn it, I can fit this in with here, even though this isn't remotely what happens, you know, in the book. It's similar-ish enough because you have the golden trio sitting around having a conversation, and that's basically where this leads. But the book section, the second half of the chapter, starts off with that irate Mrs. Weasley pissed at Floor for bringing the tray up that she was just about to do. And I feel like Floor is being quite mistreated in this moment. I think she's trying to be helpful. However, as somebody who likes to host people at my house, I feel like if there was a guest there and they felt like they had to take the tray up, that would make me feel like they think I'm not being a good host. Yeah, I think that she means well and is overstepping her bounds a little. Just a little. But I also think that she's French. It's a different culture. It's true. She's there without her fiance. Just trying to get to know the family. And she makes a joke about how there's nothing to do unless you like chickens and cooking. And cooking. Yeah. And but I feel bad for her because she's got to be very much a fish out of water in this moment. And they aren't exactly making her feel welcome. They don't get the appeal of Fleur until the end of this book. Yeah. And. I do feel a little bad for her in this moment, but I also will say that I understand where the Weasleys are coming from because she is kind of crossing the line and she's a little intrusive. She's different than what they're used to yeah. and they're different than what she's used to. So it's kind of like you have to mesh these worlds together and their cohesive piece, Bill, is not, he's there. not there. Yeah. So, and they don't get it. They don't get the appeal of Fleur. However, I will say my favorite thing that I have seen is a meme that said, somebody give me a picture of Fleur Delacour punching out a Death Eater at her wedding for messing up her wonderful day. Now, if we have a keeper that would like to do that, I absolutely would love to see Fleur Delacour punching out a Death Eater on her wedding day. We should really make a list of things Len needs to illustrate for us also. That would be one of them, please. Yes. <laughs> she is a badass. They just... They don't see it yet, and they don't see Bill's appeal to her. And they think he can do better or yeah. different. Yeah. I think she might be suffering from the fact that she is part Vila, and I don't know that she can fully control when that charm turns on and off. She probably can to a certain extent when she wants to, but there might just be times where she has these effects on people and they fall all over her. And maybe sometimes she just wants to be able to have a normal conversation with someone and can't. So as much as being pretty is an absolute privilege, 
it also makes people underestimate you and think less oh, yeah, of think you. Think you're stupid. And he says that. He says she's not dumb. Harry yeah. says that. Harry says she's not dumb. She made it really far in the Triwizard Tournament. I think I have to argue a little bit with Harry on that, though. She gets taken by Grindylows. I honestly feel like we can blame the author for that more than anything else. Because let's stereotypically have the woman be the worst competitor. The worst one, yeah. (laughs) She did good for getting the egg, right? Because she at least got the egg. Yeah. Fleur did some kind of charm to it. (laughs) Vealed it. Yes. But yeah, that dragon was just like, that is one sexy woman. That is a woman. Yes, absolutely. If I weren't a dragon, I would be all about you, lady. Here's my it's egg. It's a lady dragon. <laughs> Lesbian you know, dragons. I'm not going to judge a dragon's preference. Lesbian dragons. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Ah, pitch perfect. To backtrack a little bit, because we started talking a little bit more about Fleur and what she's doing there ahead of the time. Harry has yet to know this because all he knows is that she walks in the room and gives him a tray of breakfast and kisses him on each cheek because she does that. I like that it says each spot burns. Yes. (laughs) She tells Motley that she's been longing to see Harry. And it's like you were saying last week, she hasn't seen him since they almost died together. And he saved her sister. I think that there's a bond there. There is a little bit of a bond. And they survived. And Crumb fucked off to be a Quidditch player. So it's just kind of like Fleur feels like her and Harry are the two that are left. Kind of dealing with this trauma of having lost a teammate. And I feel like Fleur has like a connection with Harry. Like it might not seem super deep from the Triwizard Tournament, but I think it's there. She definitely remembers him fondly, undoubtedly. And Gabrielle does too. Yes. (laughs) And Fleur says so at this moment that asks if Harry remembers her little sister, little sister, Gabrielle. Gabrielle. Saying she never stops talking about Harry Potter and will be delighted to see him again. And Harry, not being a Ravenclaw, just goes, oh, is she here too? Oy I He... Up until this point, he didn't know really that Fleur and Bill were like a thing. He knew that Bill was giving her a lot of private, private English lessons. lessons. Tee-hee, wink, wink. But yeah, this is definitely new news to him, which at this moment, Fleur like goes on Fleur to share it with him. Yeah, she is offended because she's like, how haven't you told him yet? Mrs. Weasley's like, he just, he just fucking got, got, here. got here. Yes. Like, sorry, I did not greet Harry with the news that Bill is marrying a woman I'm not happy about. So sorry, lady. <laughs> so sorry. And I think Mrs. Weasley might also be, I'm going to give her some benefit of the doubt. This is her, her oldest son. This is going to be the first married. one. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of that protective mama bear stuff happening within her. I'm really glad that she comes around because I would not have a lot of respect left for her if she was genuinely a shitty mother-in-law. I don't think Molly could do that. Even if she maybe particularly didn't like Fleur, the minute that Fleur gave birth to Victoire, no, it would have been gone. Yeah. Because it's your grandchild. She is Your first grandchild. Yeah, and she's such a good woman on the whole. And it's a girl. I think she's just really struggling with everything going on. This is one more thing. She's losing her baby, technically. You know, it's hard. Bill moved out. 
And then now he's going to get married and he's the first one to get married. And she's getting really close to being an empty nester at this point. Yes. And that's been her whole life. Yeah. And not that being a stay at home mom is. Consumes your life like that. But when you have so much purpose for that long. I mean, that's Bill's like 20 at this point. So for 20 years, Molly has taken care of all of her children. Yeah, he's probably older than 20, honestly. Yeah, he might be. So that's all she's done. She didn't have to do that. Like I said the last episode, she's smart. She knows what she's doing. She is a very talented witch. Powerful. Powerful. I think she's powerful. She is very powerful. And I think that... She's losing her son. She is becoming an empty... She's getting very close to being that empty nester. The fucking Dark Lord is around the damn corner trying to kill her basically adopted son. Like, there's a lot happening. And I think this this added... I don't feel like this person is good enough for my oldest son to marry. My first kid to get married. My son to have children with. It is made so much more prevalent in Mrs. Weasley's mind because there's all this other stuff pushing it forward. And they do have a specific conversation about that. Towards the end of the book, right? No, in this chapter, they talk a little bit about Mrs. Weasley's thoughts on their relationship. Oh, yeah, the kids do. So, yeah, we can bring it up again when we get there. But this is when Harry learns that Fleur and Bill are actually engaged to be married. And when she shares this news, Harry can't help but notice. So you know that this has got to be awkward AF if Harry is noticing it. But he notices that Mrs. Weasley, Ginny, and Hermione all have to avoid looking at each other as Fleur shares this news. I think I dislike Hermione having a fucking opinion on this. Like... I know you like live with Ron and stuff like that, and maybe you don't like Fleur as a person, but fuck right off with your opinion because you don't get to have one about this situation. I am pretty sure that Hermione is bothered AF by Ron's reactions to Fleur. Okay, that's fair. I've never really thought about it that way, but yes, okay, that one would make sense, yes. Yeah. But I'm saying if she's having a reaction to Bill marrying Fleur, back the fuck up. No, ain't, I think it's no less time. about that and more about the fact that Ron keeps falling over himself all over this woman. That is that is true, literally falling all over himself. And ha- Yeah, and Harry gives Fleur a very awkward er, congratulations because he doesn't really know what he's supposed to say in this moment. What Nobody else in the room seems... But nobody else in the room seems happy about this. And he's just like, Not uh, even Ron. Like, I feel like Ron would be happy about it, but. He can I don't... hang out with you all the time. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, but it's not like he can have her. Like, no. It's but... like she's right there just out of his reach. But I also think that Ron doesn't want to have her. Like, he's too intimidated by her. Oh, for sure. So it's just nice that she's around. Maybe. I don't know. He says that it's kind of weird that you don't really get used to it because she'll like pop up suddenly and you're like, oh, God, like, you're so pretty. (laughs) Ron's mind is also weak. In that, I don't mean that he's stupid. I mean that his mind is weak because he was very, he's very susceptible to the Horcrux. Mm -hmm. So I think that maybe if he learned Occlumency or something, it would be better. It stems from being the youngest son, the youngest boy. And it's the stuff that Voldemort says when the Horcrux yeah. opens, that he but was I, never wanted by a mother who wanted a daughter. 
I think his weak mind. Not that she didn't want him. I, right. I, I need to make no, that No, I know what you mean. <laughs> but I think that his weak mind ties into his poor self-esteem. Yes, absolutely. So hopefully it gets better with age. Yeah. But anyway, so when Harry gives her this awkward congratulations, because he's reading the room, and he's like, oh my God, this is so tense. Ah. But she swoops down and kisses him again. Oh. Another burning spot. Maybe that's why Jenny also doesn't like her. Oh, I'm much. sure that's She's a huge like, part of it. Me. Like, dude, get off my man. <laughs> I have been playing the long game for this. <laughs> I'm dating all these losers. Just so Harry will notice me. <laughs> anyway, Fleur tells Harry that Bill is very busy at the moment. And she's only working part-time at Gringotts for her English. English. So he thought to bring her to his family for a few days so she could get to know them better and vice versa. Can I say William Weasley is the sweetest? That's like so, that's so thoughtful that you want your person who makes you so happy. You want them to know and love your family the way that you know and love your family. Yeah. And... I hope he went and met her family. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Because they're a cutesy bunch, too. Yeah. But this is like what we talked about where she mentioned that there's not much to do there unless you like cooking and chickens. Cooking and chickens. So she's glad that he's there because that makes the place more interesting, I guess. Is he a TV set? Apparently. I don't know. But maybe, because she says, enjoy your breakfast. Like, she doesn't ask him anything about himself or anything at all. She just and makes her big announcement and then tells him to enjoy his breakfast and leaves. Okay. Like, she is a little full of herself. She's 19, 20. What 20-ish year old is not full of themselves? Especially when you're that attractive. Right. Get it, girl. Have your high self-esteem. As she leaves, Mrs. Weasley just goes, <laughs> <laughs> It's the most mom reaction. <laughs> And I love it because Jenny just goes, Mom hates her. We don't hate her. We hate the hobbits. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley insists that that's not what it is. She just thinks that they've hurried into this engagement. So I do think that this is protective mama. Not necessarily that she doesn't like this woman. It's like you've barely known each other. And Ron tries to point out that they've known each other for a year. Like they've been dating for a year now. And really, it's... And then it's a year until they get married. Yeah. That's a decent amount of time. And I'm sure they knew each other before they started dating. Oh, yeah. They started dating because they started working together. So... (laughs) Fleur totally set that up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Where does he work? He works at Gringotts. I'm going to get a job there to improve my My English. English. I love in this moment... Which is why I think that this is why Hermione has a problem because they describe Ron as being oddly groggy. Bitch. Ooh. So he keeps getting hit with this Vila whammy and like melts and falls all over himself and can't focus. And Hermione is probably sitting there just like nobody ever reacts to me like that except Victor Crumb. Victor fucking Crumb did, ma'am. And he is so cute. And loves you. And I got to say that after everything that happened between her and Victor and the way Ron reacted to that, she was probably hoping that there'd be more going on between them by this point. And instead, he's fallen all over this Vila chick. I'm going to give Hermione some life advice. And if you're listening to this and you're in a Hermione-esque situation, you can take my life advice too. 
Tell them. Or go date some other guys until he notices you again. Or do a Jenny and go fuck around with some other people. Which was her advice. Which was Hermione's advice. Well, she does do that in this book, though. She She's like, fuck off. I'm going to go date McLagan. I mean, she's like, fuck off. I'm going to make you jealous AF. I did consider Zachariah Smith, but on the whole. Yeah. Ugh, Zachariah Smith. Yuck. But like I said, Groggy Ron points out that they've known each other for a year. And Mrs. Weasley says, well, that's not very long. It's only happening because everyone's so uncertain of what's going to happen with you-know-who being back. They might be dead tomorrow, so people are rushing into these decisions that they would normally take more time making. She specifically points out that it was like that the last time that he was powerful and people were just eloping left, right, and center. I love how they describe that. Left, right, and center. And then I love that Jenny just remarks, like you and dad. Like you and dad. And the way Jim Dale reads Mrs. Weasley saying this next line makes me laugh forever. Because it's like, well, that's different. We were made, made for, for each, each other. other. Mm. It's so cute. But it so is So what true. was the point of waiting? What was the point? Plus, they were also together for a while in school. This isn't like they met. Yeah, they were in the same year and everything. They knew each yeah. other for a lot longer, even if they hadn't From been 11. dating. Yeah. And I assume they probably got married at 17. Probably. She tries to use this, that they were made for each other, as a way to say that Bill and Fleur don't have much in common. This is why I think she doesn't like her as yeah. a person. It's because she says this. She calls Bill hardworking, describes him as down to earth. And when she starts to describe Fleur, I do not like Jenny at this moment. No. She hesitates, and Jenny fills in to supply a cow. And this is the author being petty about other women. I agree. I think she has a lot of hate for women. I think that... I'm going to say something bold. I'm going to say the author doesn't like women she deems prettier than herself because she is always comparing herself. Now, that's on a you. I get it. It's hard. I have spent my life doing that. I still do that. However, I also know how important it is to build other women up because you know how often people are torn down because of their looks? And I know she eventually builds up to that to say, like, no, Fleur is not a cow. She's a blah, blah, blah. But to have Jenny do this in this moment, I hate it. Well, I don't know if you've ever written anything else she's written, but when she writes main females... There's like two stereotypical females that she writes. Yeah, no, I haven't read anything else. Because if you think about it, McGonagall and Hermione are the same person. Are exactly the same person. And then Ginny, and if you ever read any of her Robert Galbraith books, no, the character Robin is just Ginny. Like even to the point that she has a bunch of brothers and has red hair. Like, but personality-wise, same freaking character like so she, she does writes really stereotypical women book smarts and then tomboy tomboy pretty still every book that i've read of hers that i've read multiple times and know well have been from a male's perspective she writes men very well and we always get her view through men's eyes of women 
So it could be that could be part of why she writes them so stereotypically. But at the same time, it can be a little bit misogynistic. And it really shines in the way that they treat Fleur. It does. I just don't think that Jenny would be that way. Having seen her stand up for Luna. And she didn't at first, though. She does, though. From the moment that Luna's introduced, Jenny is kind of awkward around her. But once they have like classes together and stuff, she's friendly towards her and she does stand up for her. She uses Looney as well at first and then tells people not to when she gets to be friends with her. I guess that's fair. But I also, well, maybe it's just showing growth, but I don't actually think that Jenny would be like that. I think she would be a build people up kind of person. I think she ultimately is, but she is also the youngest of a whole bunch of boys that picked on her a lot. And she was probably working through some of that. That is true. I Well, hell, I don't think the boys picked on her. At, well, Ron probably did. But the older boys, I definitely don't think they picked well, on her. Well, when I say picked on, I don't necessarily mean they were mean to her, but it's not like they'd let her play Quidditch with them. It's- you know how often I think about how Bill was as a brother? It's so often. And I just have this little picture of this 12-year-old boy holding his little sister for the first time and being so sweet and doting to her. And I'm tearing up right now because I'm thinking about it. But I have a fanfic in mind that I want to write where Bill gets to meet Jenny and he is so helpful Like when he goes to like his last few years of school, Jenny is a toddler, basically. And so every time he leaves, she's always writing him, sending him little pictures that she's drawn and stuff like that. Poor Errol has to carry a whole package of letters and stuff from Jenny. But I have had this thought that basically Bill was a mini Arthur and took care of his little sister and Charlie, too, because they're so much older than her. Yeah. And I definitely don't think that those boys or Percy were picking on her, but because Fred, George, and Ron were so close in age, close, quote unquote, in age with her, that they probably did things like, I I know they excluded her more than anything else. I know Ron didn't let her play Quidditch. Yeah. But no, none of the boys that played Quidditch, like Fred and George didn't either. In the first one when Fred and George are like, we'll send you a toilet seat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they love her, but they definitely do exclude her from more boy things. I have to wonder if your thought of Bill and Jenny's relationship could also lead to Jenny's dislike of. I. That's what started my brain on this because she says something at some point about how she was when Bill went to school. I don't remember what book it's in, but. That the way that they would have grown together because he was so much older than her would have just been this really nice dynamic of such an older brother with such a younger sister. Yeah. And I definitely do think she's his favorite. I think Harry describes at one point the way that Jenny looks at Bill like such a proud younger sister. Yeah. And I just had that thought process of, oh, I'm sure that's what their relationship was like. It was almost like a mini dad baby situation. I could see that. And I will say that, yes, she calls Fleur a cow and I don't like that. But she does also kind of defend the relationship. She points out that she does. Bill is not really that down to earth. He works as a curse breaker. He did. That's why I think they're so cl- she knows so much about yeah. him. And it seems like Ron doesn't really know much about his brothers outside of Fred and George. Like, nobody takes time to get to know Percy. Poor Percy. 
But Charlie, when Charlie writes Ron the note in the first one, he writes love Charlie. And I was like, oh, that's so like not standard masculine thing. Yeah. You know, and I think that maybe Ron and Charlie are really close in that way. And Bill and Ginny are really close. And then the twins have each other and then Percy's by himself. Yeah. That's kind of what I see the dynamic of the Weasley family being. And that's why Percy is already, he was already an outcast. I think so. in general, Percy and Ron had the tendency to be paired up because it was always Charlie and Bill, yeah. Percy and Ron, Fred and George. And then Ginny. And then the girl. when Ginny came along, like it probably just weirded up the dynamics enough that Percy started to feel like the odd one out. Well, he would be in the middle. Yeah. He definitely is in the middle. Yeah. But anyway, like I was saying. Ginny points out that he is a curse breaker, saying he likes adventure and glamour, and that's probably what drew him to phlegm. <laughs> and this one is not as mean as Cal, I think, but no. it's still not It's not nice. It's humorous because, like, if phlegm is sounds similar, if she's got that really heavier French accent, she might make that, like, Fleur. sound like her name is Fleur. and like maybe it does sound kind of like you're clearing your throat mm -hmm. it's funny but it's definitely funny it's punching down i think that i don't like cow because that feels like you're making fun of her weight british slang for cow is someone who's stupid or annoying and they refer to somebody that like a girl who's interested in a guy who's not interested back is making cow eyes at him and Okay, well, as an American reading this book, it felt like she was talking about her weight, which was ridiculous. To me, as a 15-year-old reading this book, painful to read. Yeah. I mean, talking about her weight would have been ridiculous, not that thinking it was about her weight yes. was ridiculous. Uh, Just, correct, correct. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Ginny calls her phlegm. Which is better than cow. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Harry and Hermione both laugh at this, but Mrs. Weasley's like, stop calling her that. So you get the impression that this is not the first time she's used this lovely little nickname. And then at this point, Mrs. Weasley's like, I better get going, tells Harry to eat his food while it's still hot. And when she leaves, Harry looks over at Ron, who still looks punch drunk, staring out the door and just goes, don't you get used to her since she's staying here? And Ron's like, well, you kind of do. And then she jumps out at you unexpectedly and you just get caught off guard. And You're such a boy, Ron. Yeah. And this pisses Hermione off something fierce. It makes her mad enough that she gets up and moves away from Ron, moves to the other side of the room, but crosses Jenny. her arm and stares at him. Yeah. I would be like, Jenny, sit between me and your brother because yeah. I'm going to kill him. And Jenny's like... What? You don't want her around forever? Just giving her brother a hard time. Because she learned from the twins. As you do. Anyway, he just sort of shrugs. And then Ginny says that their mom's going to put a stop to it. When Harry asks how she's planning on doing that, Ginny's just kind of like, well, she keeps trying to have tonks around for dinner. I think she might be hoping Bill's going to fall for her instead of phlegm. And says she hopes she does because she'd rather have tonks in the family. I also hate the way that Ron talks about Tonks. Yeah. This isn't a high moment for the Weasley family. This isn't. It is not. 
Ron saying that no bloke is going to fall for tonks when Fleur's around is atrocious. He does say that she is nice enough looking when she's not doing weird things with her face. I don't like that. I just, I really don't like that. He's such a, he's so rude and he hasn't like figured out that you know he has the emotional range of a teaspoon you know the twins give him that book on how to please witches or whatever 12 safe the 12 fail safe ways to charm witches or something like that something like that i think he learns a lot of his manners towards women in that he hasn't gotten it yet no he hasn't he gets it when he turns 17 I and he does a little better in the seventh book he's a lot better I just don't like comparing women. There's no, no point. No, but unfortunately it's for women, what happens? it happens a lot. And I don't think that this is... I mean, at least he didn't say it in front of Tonks. Right. I suppose. But I don't think that this is an inaccurate depiction of how teenagers talk. It's not. It is correct. I really hope that when my boy grows up, he doesn't talk like this, though. But you live and learn. As you do. I mean, everybody says stupid things or mean things or hurtful things when their brain is still developing and maybe even after, but... That is true. You can only hope to learn from it and be better. Which I do think that they all be better. Harry standing up for Fleur in this moment, though, makes me happy. Yeah. They do get better. At least, I guess, Ginny is kind of sticking up for Tonks. Yeah. She calls her nicer than Flem. I think she identifies more with Tonks than she does with Fleur. Oh, for sure. Hermione mentions that she's more intelligent. We talked about this because she's an Auror, but this is when Harry jumps in that Fleur isn't stupid. She's absolutely not. She was good enough to enter the Quad Wizard Tournament. I think that this is kind of a weird assessment, though. Like, did the cup choose somebody that it knew was smart and worthy or did it just I always figured that it had a way of sensing well that's okay that would make more sense Harry's defense of Fleur kind of pisses off Hermione and Ginny they're both like oh not you too and Ginny's just like I suppose you like like the the way way she she says your name Harry and Harry's just like why did I speak up I should have just kept my mouth shut. Shut up and eat my eggs, damn it. Got that little opera singer in the background going, mistake. Yes. Ginny then begins to talk more about how she'd rather have Tonks in the family since she's at least a laugh. But Ron mentions how she's been looking more like Moaning Myrtle lately rather than a laugh. I think Hermione's defense is very apropos. However, I know she doesn't know the whole situation. And I don't know if Tonks is legitimately sad about Sirius because Ron points out that he was in in jail her whole life. And I do think what Hermione says here is that it's predominantly survivor's guilt. And I'm sure that is playing Playing a part with it because she heard her talking about it with Remus. But yes, but also Sirius is Remus's best friend. So maybe that is playing into it a lot too. I haven't really thought about that. Unfortunately, when Hermione brings up Sirius's death, Harry just feels this like deflated balloon moment and was like, I'm just going to eat my eggs. I'll be glad when we're past these deflated balloon moments because it hurts. 
He just shoves as much eggs into his mouth so that they can't ask him any questions to contribute to this part of the conversation. That it's just mouthful. Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. But like you were saying, Ron does make that argument that they barely knew each other because he was in Azkaban for like the majority of her life. And before that, the families didn't get together because her sister was estranged. That's true. And that's when... Estranged, Lestrange. Yes. Haha, <laughs> but they're not Lestranges, but you know. No. But that's when Hermione says that she thinks it's survivor's guilt because she had been fighting Bellatrix before Bellatrix killed Sirius and maybe she feels like had she finished her off, it wouldn't have happened. Oh, wouldn't it have been nice if she had finished right? her Right? And that does probably, like we said, play some kind of part in it, especially since we know that Lupin has been talking to her about it. Right? Yes. And it's not really helping because she's so depressed that she's been struggling to do her metamorphosing. That makes me sad. That's intense pain. Yeah. To not be able to do something that's innately in you. Yeah. And Harry says he didn't know that that was something that could happen. And Hermione says she didn't either, but thinks that it makes sense in relation to a severe depression. That's so sad. At this point, Mrs. Weasley comes back. And just whispers for Ginny to come help her make come lunch. And Ginny's just like, I'm hanging out with this lot. And she's like, now. And you can't really argue with Mama Weasley when she says now. It's true. It's true. So Ginny's just like, oh, she only wants me down there so she doesn't have to be alone with Clem. And then she gets up and she tosses her hair in an imitation of Fleur that is said to be a very good one. But Harry gets a whiff of that smell. And then prances out of the room like a ballerina with her arms up over her head. Girl, bye. I can't. That's so funny. Pauses at the door and says, you lot better come down quickly, too. And I feel like this is her threatening them. Like, do not leave me down there with her. Get your butts down here now, too. So Harry takes this opportunity to eat more of his breakfast. And Hermione just sort of starts rummaging through the boxes in Fred and George's room, which I feel like is just... Asking, asking to for get punched it. In like the that face. is exactly what like you don't mess with Fred and George's boxes. You just don't. Which she fucked around and found out. So she oh. finds this telescope looking object and asks what it is. And Ron's not really sure, but does mention that if it's still here, it's probably not ready for the joke box. And I don't think that Hermione's really that interested in it. I think it's just been sort of an awkward Trying moment. And yeah, I'm just like, I don't want to like ease this thing. How do we bring up this conversation that we really want to have with Harry, but at the same time? So since the topic of the joke shop has come up, Harry's like, I heard from Mrs. Weasley that it's doing really well and that they've got a flair for business. And Ron's like, well, that's an understatement. They are raking in the galleons. Let's go, Glen Coco. And he's talking about how he's really looking forward to getting to see their shop because they haven't been able to go yet. Mm. For safety purposes, Mrs. Weasley wants both parents to be there. And Mr. Weasley's been super busy with work. So they haven't even gone to Diagon Alley. I think that sucks. Like you haven't seen where your brothers work and they have had this open for at least... I don't know when did they, they left in the fifth one around owl time which would have been like it was before it was just before mm-hmm. so that would have been they've been open for at least three months and you haven't gotten to see their yeah. store that sucks i mean i get it yeah it's still but rough it times sucks. send us pictures i hope that they do i'm sure they do 
you know, still trying to avoid the conversation about Sirius, Harry brings up Percy, wondering if he's been talking to the family again since they had their falling out after when they first started saying Voldemort was back. No. Ron says that he's not, and Harry's like, seriously? Like, he knows that your dad was right now. He knows that Voldemort is back. And Hermione tells him that Dumbledore said people find it easier to forgive others for being wrong than being being right. right. Yeah. And she overheard Dumbledore say that to Mrs. Weasley. And Ron's just like, yep, that definitely sounds like the sort of mental thing that Dumbledore would say. And this reminds Harry that mental Dumbledore is going to be giving him private lessons this year. So he shares that. And they're like, what? You didn't say. And he was like, I only just remembered. Listen, it's been a long night slash morning and you guys are yelling at me and there's a pretty girl and there's a lot happening. Food. But they start wondering why he's going to be giving him private lessons. And who knows? And You know, Dumbledore said that Harry should tell them and he figures now is as good a time as any. So he kind of like, well, I don't know exactly why he's going to be giving me private lessons, but I think that it's probably because of the prophecy, which makes Hermione say, yeah, knows what it said. Yeah, it got smashed like Harry wasn't there for that. He knows he knows it got smashed. Ron starts to talk about what the prophet has been publishing but Hermione shushes him. And Harry just says, nope, Prophet's got it right. But I am the chosen one. But I am the chosen one. Yeah. He explains that it wasn't the only record of the prophecy, that Dumbledore was the one who originally heard it, so Harry got to hear it in his office. He says that it looks like he is the one who's supposed to finish off Voldemort, at least the specific phrasing sharing neither can live while the other survives at least that implies that yeah and they all sort of look at each other in silence which is very quickly interrupted by a loud (laughs) bang and a big black cloud of smoke that completely engulfs hermione (sighs) as you do yeah harry jumps out of bed He and Ron are both shouting her name and she comes out of this cloud of smoke just like coughing. She's still holding this telescope and she also has this very, very purple black eye. I have a very specific image of what this looks like. It's a tube with a spring coming out of it with a a punching fist on it. Yes. Yeah, she... Boxer glove on it. Amidst the tension of hearing that Harry's going to have to kill Voldemort, she squeezed squeezed the telescope. And it punched me. punched her i wonder if it's like you put it up to your eye normally and that's what makes it punch you type thing probably because then you're like twisting it to get it to focus or whatever but in this case maybe she just pissed it off by squeezing it too hard because that news was shocking to her but also it might not be ready so (laughs) it might not be ready too so ron's trying not to laugh as he's telling her like it's okay mom's fixed tons of bruises she's got this but hermione is still caught up on what Harry just said that she doesn't even care in this moment. She's just like, Oh, Harry, are you scared? And <laughs> Harry being the Gryffindor that he is just says, no. not as much as I was at first. I was at first, but now it just kind of feels like something that I always knew. Like there's part of him that just always knew he'd have I to face. Like him I in the always end. knew that. What I mean, that's the whole point of the book series. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's always gotta be you kiddo. 
that would make sense for the titular character of a book series. You never know. Then they start talking about what they think Dumbledore is going to be teaching him. Hermione's figuring it's going to be like really powerful spells and enchantments and stuff. And Ron figures that this means that Dumbledore thinks Harry actually has a chance. And Harry is like barely listening because in this moment, his friend's reaction is just making him feel so good and supportive. Like he knows they're scared too. But they're just discussing this with him yeah. like it is what it is and they're being supportive and they're not freaking out and they're just being normal about it. And it means more to him than he could ever describe. Well, Voldemort's been as much a part of their lives as his life since their first year of school. Yeah. So though he doesn't seem to ever want to include them, Hermione's saying at the end of this book, you don't get it, do you? We're coming with you. Yeah, we're already in it. It's already been that way since the took out the troll. Yeah, it's done, dude. Yeah, it's done. But Harry kind of comes back to the conversation just in time to hear Hermione commenting on how at least Harry knows one class that he's going to be taking, unlike her and Ron, because they haven't gotten their OWL results back yet. And Harry says, oh yeah, Dumbledore said we're going to get those later today. And Hermione loses her shit. What? You didn't say. I have to go see if we've had any owls. And she just like runs downstairs. Same. If you guys couldn't hear it in my voice, I was literally was running, running on my great. chair. Was I was very excited. I was acting that one out as contained as possible to not hit the microphone as I speak. <laughs> so Harry gets up, gets dressed, joins them in the kitchen about 10 minutes later and finds a very agitated Hermione. I assume that this is for multiple reasons. <laughs> the bruise won't heal. The owls aren't here yet. Yeah. In this specific moment, Mrs. Weasley is trying to heal the bruise and nothing is working. It won't budge. And Ginny just figures that this is something that the twins would do, make it so that it won't go away. It's going to last forever. And Hermione's like, I can't look like this forever. It forever. The book literally describes her as resembling half a panda. Which makes me giggle forever. I love it. But then Fleur says that Bill told her Fred and George are amusing and Hermione's just like, oh, yeah. I can hardly breathe for laughing. I mean, she doesn't say that was funny, (laughs) to be fair. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little tasteless. It it is. Like, I get their frustration with her, but they're not giving her any benefit of the doubt. I feel like Fleur is trying. Yeah, I feel like Fleur is trying so hard to be part of things and just keeps saying the wrong thing. I feel like if she had text messages, she's texting Bill like, can you please come home and stop leaving me with your family? They hate me. They hate me. Oh, and he's probably like, no, they don't. You're just different. They just have to get to know you. Like, I know you. Keep trying. He's he's a sweet man, I'm sure. But like I was saying, multiple things because the The owls owls haven't arrived yet. There's no results. She asked Mrs. Weasley about it again, and Mrs. Weasley's like, I definitely have not seen any owls stop asking me, Hermione. <laughs> and Hermione's like muttering to herself, oh my God, I know that I probably messed this up on the exam, and I'm pretty sure that I did this wrong. And Ron is just like, oh my God, shut up. You're not the only one who's nervous. And when you get your 11 outstanding OWLs, and Hermione's just like, stop, I know I failed everything. <laughs> so I think that is also part of her agitation. That is so much former gifted kid. So scared you're going to fail every test. Yeah. Poor Hermione. 
Harry wants to know what they're supposed to do if they do fail. And Hermione says she asked McGonagall the previous year because she has to know everything, you know. I bet she's the only one who asked. Probably. But they're just supposed to discuss their options with the head of house. I would imagine if you failed potions, you could probably retake retake, potions at the lower level and just get a little bit better caught up. We have two years. And when Fleur mentions that they don't sit their exams in five, they sit them in six, then you have less time to make up the issues. Yeah, but she does start to say that she thinks Bobaton's way is better, waiting until six. She doesn't get to go much more into that <laughs> because three owls are flying towards the house. And this causes Hermione to scream, like you said. They're described as tawny owls. They each have a large square envelope. It looks pretty official. Mrs. Weasley kind of pushes past them all and opens the window just in time for them to swoop in one at a time. Nice, neat, choreographed line. They line up, hold out their right legs, and each of the OWL students go to grab their envelope with their name on it. Apparently, it's a little bit difficult because they're all described as fumbling and... Hermione is shaking so bad the entire owl is shaking. This owl is like, this is so unprofessional. Let go. That or her. The owl's used to that. <laughs> yeah, well, if they um, always deliver that. Not owls, again. This kid just like poops. And oh, we got another one. <laughs> but Harry manages to get his detached, unfolds the parchment, and reads. It lists the passing and failing grades first. So you've got Passing grades is outstanding, represented with an O. o. Exceeds expectations. E. Acceptable. A. And then the failing grades are poor. P. Dreadful. D. And troll. T. I was kind of surprised that that one was real. I sort of thought that was just the twins joking around. I feel like that's a mean AF grade. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe nobody gets it. I, Harry passes out in the middle of his freaking history of magic and he still gets a d so yeah i don't know he failed divination he did fail divination by the highest failing grade but he got a 69 yeah he gets an a in astronomy an e in care of magical creatures charms herbology potions and transfigurations an o in defense against the dark arts which is seven owls which was our trivia question I'm glad that he made Hagrid proud with that E and yeah. care of magical creatures. And he failed divination with the <laughs> P and history of magic with a D. Not that he was surprised by any of those because he figured he was never going to pass divination either. And in the book, they describe it as him collapsing halfway through the exam. Bitch, you fell asleep and had one of your dreams. Well, a planted one in this case, but still, yes. like, that is not collapsing. I also, they didn't let him finish. What kind of test environment is this? Like, I know he fell asleep or whatever, but maybe he, like, passed out. Like, nobody's going to let this kid finish? It's a timed test. But he's also Harry fucking Potter. Let mm. the bitch finish his test. I he's mean, not going to pass it, but let him finish. They were. They offered to let him round off his last answer, but the time went up, and Harry was just like, nah, I'm good. <clears throat> One, standardized testing is stupid. Two, I think that this is dumb because if a kid gets sick in the middle of their standardized test, they get to retake the whole thing. Yeah. At least in the States. I don't know how it works in the UK, but in the States and in the state that I am in and the state that I came from, if that happens, if a kid gets sick and they're like puking or they pass out or whatever, as long as there's like a valid reason, it will cause a test anomaly 
and that student and sometimes even the stu- other students in the room, if it caused a big distraction, can retake their test. Yeah. But is I fell asleep and had a nightmare a valid reason? Does he fall asleep, though? Yeah. What a doob. But yeah. still, I mean, he's got a... I feel like Dumbledore could have been like, bitches connected to Voldemort's he brain. He probably could have, but I don't think Harry cared. I wish he cared, because History of Magic's so fucking... That's why they don't know anything about the fucking goblins it's or anything true. like that. But even Ugh. Ron also fails divination in History of Magic in his book. Like, who cares about those? <laughs> He's such a goob, God. And when Harry looks at his best friend's results, he sees there is not a single O on there. He does have quite a few exceeds expectations also. Which is good. He passed but, all the classes that Harry passed. Yeah, they passed all the same classes, but... No O's. O's. This part actually kind of makes me mad, too. I love Mrs. Weasley, but she has her moments where I'm like, Mama. Yeah. That's not, that's not fair. At least they're not there to hear it. True. She's really happy that Ron got seven OWLs and also points out that that's more than Fred and George got combined because they only got three apiece, so... I wonder what classes they passed. <laughs> Same things. Potions. Charms. Charms and transfiguration. That's what I'm betting. Oh, yeah, definitely. But there was also the time when Ron got made prefect and Mrs. Weasley was like, that's everyone in the family. And Fred and George are like, what are we, next, next door, door neighbors? neighbors? <laughs> like, yeah. She doesn't see that their she achievements. She doesn't see their worth yeah. right now. And I, she will. But right now it makes me sad. So in all of this nonsense. Hermione has her back to everybody and it's not saying a word. It is Ginny who is brave enough to say, how'd you do? And in a very small voice, Hermione just goes, not bad. I hate that she is still surprised that she's smart. Baby girl, you're literally, like Harry says, my best friend is a muggle born and she's the brightest nerd. I don't think she's surprised. I think she is. I don't think she's surprised at all. I think she's literally upset that she didn't get 10 outstandings. <laughs> Believe well, me, also that. I am Hermione. And when we did a Harry Potter trivia one night, we literally, it was like across the country because it was one of like the big app type things. Yeah. So pubs across the country were doing a Harry Potter trivia night. We literally tied with one other team in the entire country in first place. Because we missed one question. It and I was fucking upset. Show. I was fucking upset that I missed one question. Always forever upset that we missed one question. Yeah. Which now, if you ever ask me about it, I'll know that the answer is Castle Abruxo. But at the moment, I did not know of Castle Abruxo. So we got that one wrong. And so did apparently. That's my guess. My guess is the other team that we tied with missed that one as well. Because I know so much that goes on in the books quite a bit for the movies my brain loves to impose the books onto the movies but it's the stuff that lies around the outside the reason why i know everything in the books is because i read them all the time and i've been doing so for 20 years i haven't tried to learn all this stuff i'm just obsessed i think that a lot of the stuff with harry potter is a lot of people are trying to make it like lord of the rings like all the background stuff all the side stuff is all really important it's not in Lord of the Rings, was it important that we know that 
Sauron came and he was an elf at one point? Yes. You know why? Because it's really important. Yeah. Well, and also, that's a saga. That also, is like um, hundreds of years. Spoilers. Sorry. For one story. Yeah. Wait Sauron's an elf. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of years for one story, yes. essentially. Yes. Whereas this is like maybe Takes place 50, in like, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, but like the bulk of this story is seven years. The bulk is seven years. There's yes. some background that set it up, but. And this book is the only book that has the background, pretty yeah. much. So it's still fun, but Hermione is upset that she only she yeah. got a. E I don't think in she's one. surprised. I literally think that she was hoping she was going to get those ten outstanding. The ooh, the ooh, <laughs> yeah, and oodles. The but oodles. however, oodles of oodles. What did she get the e in? She got the e in defense against the dark arts. The one area Harry's better than you in. Mm -hmm. Which she knew already. She did, and she specifically tells him that in the fifth one. But that does not mean... She's not disappointed. She couldn't get outstanding also. Yes. However, she did not, and she is disappointed. It's because she couldn't do... The Patronus? The Patronus. Well, I don't but, think well, they were supposed to. Question, yeah. So I guess not. But she lacked confidence in that area, I yeah. think. Ron definitely teases her for being disappointed. Yeah, which you know. he should. Everybody made fun of me for, because like we won. We actually that was one we got money for. It was awesome. We were excited. I was bummed. Yeah. It was so Hermione in that moment. So I get it, but definitely should be teased. Like remind them that remind me that it's not that serious. Yeah. Hermione, of course, does try to deny this, and Harry just kind of laughs. And then he looks back down at his own results, kind of having this like dueling emotions where he's very happy because these results were as good as he could have hoped for. Like he knew that he was never going to get outstanding in potions. So getting an hope. exceeds expectations is pretty freaking awesome. But he also knows that Snape will not take anybody without an outstanding in potions for newt levels. So he thinks this is the end of his aura career before it ever began. Well, he says when he's doing potions in the owls that it's exceedingly easier when Snape is not breathing down his neck. Right. So I definitely think he has some of his mom's talent in that area made not so good by Snape's bullying and yeah. Stuff. It's so contradictory because Snape is absolutely a good teacher in the sense of imparting information, but he is a terrible teacher in the sense of actually like motivating and inspiring and engaging children. Like he knows the content. Absolutely. Absolutely knows the content. And he even knows the content when he gets into Defense Against the Dark Arts, but... And I'm saying Harry would not have been able to do exceeds expectations if he, if had he hadn't learned been a good something at yeah. some point yeah. like he is obviously good at imparting that information he just shouldn't be also interacting with the kids while he's doing it correct <laughs> like if he had just like wrote the directions on the board and then fucked off <laughs> also he does do that a lot but also why does he not recognize his handwriting we'll get to that when he opens the book but i have thought about that every day since i read yeah jumping the gun a little bit there eh, you know so this chapter ends with these dueling emotions because Harry feels like it's the end of his ambition to be an or 
But at the same time, he thinks it's strange that he even wanted to be because it was a Death Eater in disguise who made that suggestion to him, Barty Crouch Jr. Doesn't mean it's not true just yeah. because somebody evil told you so. I it, mean, that's not the best example, I guess. But I mean, regardless of who suggested it to him, it's an idea that took hold. Yes. And he has no other thoughts of what he would want to be. That just seems right. Especially with the prophecy why in he mind. Does not know that he should be a teacher. He would be so good at I it. I genuinely think that it would make sense for him to be an aura for a while and then, and then retire and teach. So But he's got that neither can live while the other survives in his head yeah. and thinks that joining the wizards specifically trained to find to and kill that. dark wizards is probably his best chance to defeat and survive Voldemort. Yes. I get it. And that is the end of the book chapter. So the movie leaves all of this out. We don't even find out that they passed their OWLs, really. I mean, Harry says something blasé about it when he's in the damn corridor with McGonagall talking about how he needed to get an outstanding, but he only got an exceeds expectations. And, you know. But we do get to see Ron's room, which I love Ron's room. I think when we were watching this, I pointed out that you could see the sky outside of his room. So his room, you like have to literally go outside and then go through a door. So his door was open. You could see outside. And I thought that I like that a lot. But we do see some underage magic again with uh, no consequences. I roll. Yeah. I'm going to catch this shit on fire. Now, at least they're in a wizarding house. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. There's no way to trace it. It's a wizarding house, but I still don't think the movies know that. I think they just thought that would look cool. And I'm not going to lie either. The only reason why I knew that was an article from The Prophet was because they zoomed in on it at the end. Until Mm -hmm. that point, I was like, there's a glowing thing floating in the air. Yeah. I did mention again that I think it's weird that Hermione's just fucking at the Weasleys. But I do consider it canon that her parents have already fucked off to Australia. Yeah, this is sort of close to the book chapter, just in the sense. Now, granted, they were in Fred and George's room, not Ron's room. But you did get to a point where the three of them were sitting around having a conversation, having a conversation. But it wasn't even the same conversation. No, but it was a friend building conversations i don't know but i did make a comment which i meant to put this up near when you were talking about mrs weasley not wanting to send the kids to school so that was not in the book that is not how it happened in the book that isn't how it happened in the book however i know there were a lot of parents that didn't want to send their kids to the school and that does get mentioned in the book so like maybe this was their way of just introducing that but it did not fit with the characters so ron saying this i think now as a parent i can't imagine sending my kid to a school i mean nowadays when you send your kid to school you're potentially sending them into harm's way anyways but i can't imagine sending my kids to school where there's a very high probability that one, my kid is friends with the one that the Dark Lord is after, and he always ends up in his stupid shenanigans. And two, there's a very high probability that the most powerful dark wizard in the world is going to attack that school any day now. I understand the grappling that Miss 
Mrs. Weasley is going through. I understand that perspective for other parents, but for Mrs. Weasley and Mr. Weasley, who are members of the order and doing actual missions for the order, knowing what Dumbledore is, I feel like they would know better than anybody that having their kids at Hogwarts is going to keep them safer while they're doing their dangerous part. Yeah. So it bugged me. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I get that. But then I specifically commented on Ron and Harry guessing Dumbledore's age because that's rude AF. A wizard never reveals his age. It was funny. It was funny. But also, do they not know? Like, isn't his birthday on his chocolate frog You'd card? Think. We had, we had Maybe to it's ask. Just the day. We know that he was about 115 yeah. at this point. But so 150, 115. I do love the way that he says it. What? Like, he's not even that old. How old is he? Like... I don't know, 150, give or take. And then the laughing. It was their goobs, but giant goobs. You're right. Rude AF. But yeah, so I just said, get it together, you mess. Stop having rude conversations. <laughs> because this, come on. So there's another ding because completely different conversations, but both sections had rude conversations. Correct. <laughs> Good. Yikes. I do. Ugh. I really so wish that we had gotten to see Fleur in the movie. Because it's like her and Bill come back, <laughs> come to the Seven Potters at the beginning of Seven, and you're like, "What? Wait, who's what? that? Who's yeah. that? Why is she here?" Right? It's like you're just like, "I don't get it." But then, I mean, she takes off her bra when she's Daniel, and she's like, "Don't look, look at me, me. I'm, I'm hideous. hideous." And you're like, "Oh, I guess they're dating." Okay. <laughs> okay. Like if you just watch the movies, you're confused. But yeah, it's. Nah. Details um, left out. They better fix it with the TV show. I agree. So I think one of the things that we discussed the most in this section was the Weasley women. The Weasley women and Hermione, who becomes a Weasley, Weasley woman. woman. A Granger Weasley woman. Yeah. Kind of smack talking and flirt and being kind of rude to her a lot. So I think that we want to know what your thoughts are on how Molly, Ginny, and Hermione talked about Fleur. Do you get it? Do you understand it? Do you want them to be nicer and build women up and not tear them down? Yes. The answer is yes. You should say yes to that one. But we'll take your opinions on the other. I'll take whatever opinion you have. Honestly, it's fine. Because honestly, if you can explain why you feel whatever way you feel, honestly, I'm receptive to it. Yeah. Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. So that will bring us to our wizarding word. Royal Mail is releasing special Battle of Hogwarts themed stamps. So I really want the U.S. Mail to do this too. I need them too. Do you listen to us? Sponsor us. Also, release Harry Potter stamps. (laughs) The next time I go to the post office to mail something, I'm going to tell my guy. Maybe he can pass it along. Maybe I can tell my dad. He does work for USPS. Make it happen, Carly. Make it happen. It's IT for USPS. Let's go. Okay, so what we know, Royal Mail is in partnership with the Warner Brother Company to produce a selection of 16 stamps featuring the darker events of the Wizarding World. So that's pretty cool. 
So they have Ron Weasley looking very forlorn, as he do, with the twins in the background. So it's Ron Weasley and the twins. They also have McGonagall and Kingsley, which I love, but McGonagall is in the forefront and Kingsley's in the background. They have Harry and Jenny together, which is so cute, but Aww. Harry is in the forefront and Jenny is in the background. They have Neville and Luna together, which I also love, but Neville's in the front, Luna's in the back. Also, the picture is so interesting. Neville's holding the sort of Gryffindor and it's like Luna's hand is touching the sort of Gryffindor. Huh. And then there's Hermione and Mrs. Weasley, which I like that pairing a lot. But then we go into the murder muncher section. So we have Bella and Sissy, Voldy and a random Death Eater. They have Snape and Electo Caro. And then they have Tom Felton, Draco Malfoy, and Gregory Goyle. And I want all of them, even though I can't mail anything with them. Oh. I will start a collection. A further six stamps presented in a miniature sheet feature illustrations of the fascinating creatures and beings of the wizarding world. From Aragog the Acromantula to the beloved house elf Dobby, a full set also includes Harry's beloved owl Hedwig, Fox the Phoenix, Buckbeak the Hippogriff, and Hermione's cat Crookshanks. Oh, we definitely need a fox one. On the watch for those. Yeah, check out the Royal Mail website to get more information. These are available now. So go buy some. Yeah, buy some. The creatures stamps are so pretty. They're like a blue background with stars and the animals are gold. Oh, I it's love very them. pretty. So I want them all. If you live in the UK and you want to get some random postage, or if you live in the US and you collect stamps. These are available. Or if you live in Australia and you just want some UK stamps, which I don't know if those work or where you are. if you live in the UK and want to mail us something, Ooh, Max, use these stamps. Max. Max. So anyways, that's happening. That's a cool thing. If you want to send us some, that'd be awesome. We have a P.O. box so you guys can send us crap. Yeah, I'll update our address now that it's all set. Put it up on Facebook and so Yes. But that'll bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, where does Narcissa say they'll do better at instead of Madame Malkin's? The first person who responds with a correct answer in the code word hashtag, well, really, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com and let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at Fox Sake Pod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. 
check out our page for the details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 6, Draco's Detour, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are For Fox Sake. Sake.